it's so easy to get down. I don't like my boss. I'm so sick of this. But what I've learned as an employee and people working for me, when you really work hard to be great at something and be the best at something, it's always fun to be the best. When you're great at something, it always feels good to be great. And nobody quits things that they're great at. And I think that's the hardest thing to overcome because the reality of life is you can't just always quit your job. You can't just always, you know, go in and say, give me the raise or give me the promotion or I'm, I'm out of here. I quit. And so when you're stuck, you've got to find it within yourself to say, OK, this is where I am. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be great. I am Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Valley Summit. I'm so excited about our guest today, a guest that needs no introduction, Mr. Mark Cuban. Mark, how are you? How are you? I'm doing good, Mark. And I'm so really, really excited to have you here. Now, Mark, most people who are watching today, there are 15,000 people watching live on Zoom. First, where in the world are you right now? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Nice. Nice to hear that. And you're a man who needs no introduction. But there is a story I want to share about you because I think it illustrates something about you that many people may not know. And it's how we basically uh, got you to participate in this summit. So it turned out, and I'm going to tell the story, it turned out that there is a woman who works here for Mind Valley. Her name is Jeanette. Jeanette used to live in Texas, and she happened to be a member of the same gym that Mark was in way back in 2006. So Jeanette was in the gym working out, and she would see Mark, and she said, Mark was always the friendliest guy. He would go and he would greet everyone. He was super open and smile with everyone. And this was at the point where Mark had sold a company for over $5 billion to Yahoo!, He was one of the richest, most successful men in America, yet he was this regular guy at the gym. So one day, Jeanette was working out, and she was, I can't remember the exact protocol she was doing, but Mark came up to teach her how to work out properly. She said they spent 10 minutes, and that was it. 16 years later, somehow she had Mark's email. When the summit was happening, she decided a shot in the dark, she'll just message Mark and say, hey, this is Jeanette. We met in the gym in Texas in 2006. You were super gracious and you helped me out with my workout technique. And I have this summit I'm helping produce. Would you speak? And Mark said, yes. And I cannot think of a greater thing about you, Mark, in terms of how down to earth you are, how kind you are, and how much you give. So... Really, really, really a great pleasure to have you here. Please give a big round of applause to Mark. Mark, before we begin, we have a special gift for you. But first, I want to ask you an opening question. What are you most excited about in the world today? What is the project that's really giving you goosebumps? I get excited about crypto assets and these things called smart contracts and blockchains. I just think they're game changers for developing businesses and developing new applications. And I'm not talking about speculating in Bitcoin versus Ethereum, but actually developing applications for personalized finance, for buying and selling digital assets. There's just so many applications that are going to change because of the way that blockchains and smart contracts together allow businesses to be developed much more efficiently. That's beautiful. Now, 
I know this may seem like a slightly odd question, but is crypto something that you would recommend people get into right now? Or do you think we need to wait till the next big wave? Well, again, there's two things. Do, am I recommending people speculate, you know, go buy lots of Bitcoin because it's going to do? No, it, I'm not saying it's a bad investment. I own some. I own some Ethereum. I own others. I've done my homework and my research, but it is very volatile and it's very speculative. But on the development side, I, I can give you an analogy. Back in 1995, right at the early days of the Internet, I looked at the Internet and I said, well, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. And my partner, one of my good friends, Todd Wagner, came to me and he's like, you're a tech geek, Mark. There's got to be a way we can use this new Internet thing to be able to listen to Indiana basketball, which is where I went to college, Indiana University, down in Texas. Because back in 1995, you couldn't just turn on, you know, there was no Internet streaming. And, and so I said, you know what, let me see if we can figure out how to how to use the Internet to listen to audio and then eventually video. And we started a company called AudioNet, and it was the very first streaming company. And back in the early days of the Internet, you know, not everybody realized its power. And I remember telling people, you don't understand this Internet thing. We're with our company, AudioNet, you're going to be able to listen and watch anything, anywhere, anytime around the world. And they're like, you're crazy. What a waste of time. I'm just going to turn on my TV or radio. And I'm like, you don't get it. And they're like, no, Mark, you don't get it. I feel the same way about smart contracts and blockchain right now. And so if I were starting all over again and it was like 1995 and just like I got into the Internet and found back then we called it Internet broadcasting. Today, I would be looking at developing applications using this programming language called Solidity, which is a lot like JavaScript and developing applications for it. Beautiful. I love that you shared that with us. Just to give the people who are watching some context, Mark was born in 1958. In 1998, that's when his company, Broadcast.com, went public. And it was such a successful listing. It was the highest day one price jump of any public company. Mark went on to sell Broadcast.com a few years later to Yahoo for close to five and a half billion dollars. And we'll go more into that story next. But first, Mark, I wanted to do something interesting. So I put out a competition on Instagram to ask people to write poetry about you. I wanted to introduce you with a poem. So we got a bunch and the rule was it had to put a smile on your face. So I'd love to bring up the first candidate for a poetry for Mark Cuban. Please play the video. Hi, Vision. Dan, the Chop Saver guy here. And I wanted to thank you for this opportunity to introduce Mark Cuban with a poem. But for me, the question was, which one do I choose? A sonnet, a haiku perhaps. But since you asked for something funny, I'm gonna read a limerick. There once was a Cuban named Mark. He's known as the wealthiest shark. The web brought him fame, but the Mavs are his game. Hope we meet with this shot in the dark. Were I lucky enough to meet you, who who Hoosier is how I would greet you. My son is a pylam, so proud of him I am. Be like Mark, and life never will cheat you. Now, the point of this whole production was to give Mark a fine introduction. Mark Cuban is great. His words we await. If we're smart, we will heed his instruction. And thank you to Almighty Vision for letting us try some shark fishing. With poems and rhymes, we're dropping some dimes. Make him smile. That was really our mission. The best thing ever you got to send me a copy of that because that is the best thing anybody has ever given me ever for one of these um, interviews 
<laughs> awesome. I'm so glad we... Okay, awesome. Dan put a smile on Mark's face. Now, Mark, we're not done yet. A lot of people submitted haikus on Instagram. We got like maybe around 30, 40 pieces of poetry. Now, this is from Abhilasha in India. So I'm going to attempt to wrap this out. Okay, but I need some assistance. So I'm going to bring two musicians on stage. Ronan, who is a fitness instructor here at Mind Valley and the creator of our fasting and our 10x muscle building programs. And then my son, Hayden, who is learning to play the saxophone. So, Mark, this is not going to be a work of art. But again, like I said, the job is... Professional stuff. Come on. This is professional. This is professional. (laughs) Okay. So, Hayden is Estonian. Ronan is Brazilian. I'm just saying that so you guys understand the accent. You guys ready? Ready. Hayden, you want to do like a practice practice sound for us? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get started. Okay. This is from Abhilasha underscore 24 from India. Do we dare an introduction for the man of the hour? If money is a game, then business is his power. Not to win to lose, but to leave a mark behind. You can read his book to see the strength of his mind. Conviction on his face and vision in his sight. Even with all that, he's mushy on insight. He's a family man with two daughters and a son. He loves his wife, and he probably calls her Hun. (laughs) He's the one you are waiting for. It's none other than Mark Cuban. (laughs) Okay. It's the saxophone that made it. I got to just say, the saxophone was everything. (laughs) Okay, Mark, you're going to choose. You're going to choose the best, and the winner is actually getting an iPad. Okay? So now we come to the next one. And this is from Atama27 on Instagram. A-T-A-M-A-R-27. You can follow her on Instagram. Okay? You guys ready? Ready. All right, let's do this. It's time to introduce a man that won't lose. Mark is his name, and he's always on the game. He's, he's not the Facebook guy, but Cuban internet story is not a lie. Starting with microsolutions, ended by buying a jet without a confusion. And when broadcasting came along, he never doubled to sing his song, I'm the luckiest man in the world, becoming a passionate owner at the basketball. <laughs> Married and happy with three children, he was waiting for the Mavericks thriving. Winning the NBA's 2011 championship completed his dream like a kingship. But don't forget about shark teeth. You know, never know where he's going to be. An unstoppable man with many ideas and money in his hand. And now, thank you guys. And now, the are, f- are you rapping? Was that rapping? I have no idea. I don't know what to call this musical style. It's more what? So Hayden says it doesn't sound like rap. It's more poetry with pauses. Thank you, Chris. Sounds good. Jesus, my son just like dished me in front of fifteen thousand people. Okay, Mark, which one would you choose for the iPad? And I hope that put a smile on your face. It definitely put a smile on my face. Hayden, you're awesome. But I got to go with Dan, number one. Okay. Uh, that was, that's all the really cool stuff, and that surprised me. So that's awesome. to Dan. So thank you, Hayden. Thank you. Thank you, Ronan. And Dan, congratulations. Thanks. You win the iPad. 
All right. Thanks, guys. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. So, Mark, we're so excited to have you here on Mind Valley. And um, what I love about you is the way your mind thinks. It's fast and it's interesting. I was watching an interview with you on YouTube yesterday. And in the interview, they asked you, what do you think of raising the minimum wage? And I thought, okay, he's a billionaire. He probably employs thousands of people. I'd love to, to see what he says. And I'd love for you to share your answer and your why, because it was fascinating. Yeah, I don't remember the exact interview, but I'm all for raising the minimum wage because the stronger the community around your business, the, the more vibrant, the more economically, the more economically capable they are, the better your business is going to be. When your customers have more money, then I think a whole community really shines. And that may be counterintuitive and it may be difficult. You know, some small businesses think, well, my costs are going up. Maybe they go up a little bit. But what you also realize is that when your employees make more than a, a living wage, then they're not going to need government assistance. And to me as an entrepreneur, I literally, the idea of one of my employees needing government assistance really makes me upset. And so I, I've gone through my businesses that I operate and made sure everybody made at least $15 an hour. And that was several years ago. And I strongly encourage all entrepreneurs to do the same. And also I'll add that for entrepreneurs, people who run their own companies, I've always given stock to all my employees because if you want income equality to be reduced, people who are just making you know $15 an hour and living, trying to live their lives, if they don't have any appreciable assets, it's really hard to improve your financial position. You know, you need to have assets, whatever they may be, stock in a private company, anything that can grow in value. One, paying someone $15 an hour, I think, is the minimum minimum wage. Two, you should always try to share stock with your employees. Three, it's great for your community because, you know, the more vibrant the community, the better businesses can do. And four, I mean, can you really take pride in your own business if the employees that you have, the people that do their work for you, don't have enough financial wherewithal 
to avoid government assistance? And to me, I mean, no entrepreneur should say yes to that. So that's a great question. I love that, Mark. Thank you so much for answering it that way. I think so many of us wonder, well, how would a billionaire see this? So let's come on to the next question. There is a really interesting thing in how you speak up about global issues. And at one point, you kind of implied to Andrew Yang, I believe in a Twitter conversation, that you were thinking about running for president and then you decided not to run. Is it okay if I ask you why? What made you not run? Typically, I prefer to be an entrepreneur and not a politician. And I just was not a fan of Donald Trump when he ran for president and that got me more active. And then, you know, after he lost the election, now we have Joe Biden. There really was no reason for me to stay involved in politics. And then on top of that, I have three kids, 11, 14, and 17, and they were younger at the time when I was considering it. And the way politics is right now, I just didn't want to put them through all the grief or put my family through all the grief. And on top of that, we had a family vote. You know, should I run for president? And I lost four to one. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love the way your heart shows in so many of these interviews and, and the books I've read about you and the YouTube videos I've watched. But I also notice that you seem to have a gift for inspiring and transforming other people. I mean, you took the Dallas Mavericks and you completely transformed that team. And I remember watching a video in the past one week as I was researching you, and it was an entire stadium. The Dallas Mavericks had just won a big match, and an entire stadium erupted in the words, thank you, Mark. Like, how often do you see that? Now, I'd love to know, because I'm an educator as well. My job is to inspire, help people grow. What did you do to transform the Mavericks into a winning team? I recognized that I had a great player named Dirk Nowitzki, and I'd never traded him and, and kept on trying You know, sometimes it's not about me. It's not about the entrepreneur. You've got to realize that in order to have a successful team, you've got to be very self-aware and know what you can and can't do and know who your strongest assets are. In the case of a basketball team, an NBA team, you know, and you can see it over my, which shoulder there? My other shoulder. You can see the trophy. Let me squeeze out of the way. The championship trophy, sorry. And so recognizing when you have greatness that works for you or is your partner, that to let them be great. I think sometimes entrepreneurs try to get in the way and make it about themselves. And, you know, I had greatness in my midst and trying to surround him with more talent. And that's the same thing I try to do with all my companies. Amazing. I love that answer. So what can people do? The average person who wants to do something great in the world. If you had to give advice to someone who was kind of stuck in a rut, or blocked in their career and their entrepreneurship journey, how would one move towards greatness? What I tell people is everybody's got something inside of them that's great. The hard part is finding it. We get things we're passionate about, but often the things we're passionate about are not the things we can be great at. And so you have to try different things. And But then we get on with our lives and we find, you know, we have bills, we have a, a house we have to pay for, we have a car we have to pay for, and we get stuck in that position. And When I've been in that position and when others and I talk to have been in that position, I just tell them to be great at your job. It's so easy to get down. I don't like my boss. I'm so sick of this. But what I've learned as an employee and people working for me, when you really work hard to be great at something and be the best at something, it's always fun to be the best. When you're great at something, it always feels good to be great. And nobody quits things that they're great at. And I think that's the hardest thing to overcome because the reality of life is you can't just always quit your job. 
You can't just always, you know, go in and say, give me the raise or give me the promotion or I'm, I'm out of here. I quit. And so when you're stuck, you've got to find it within yourself to say, okay, this is where I am. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be great because trying not to be here or not, you know, not feeling good is not working. It's just creating too much stress. But if I really go for it, maybe I can be great at it. And if it's not the right place, if you're great at your job, typically other companies find out or it creates an opportunity for you to be an entrepreneur. So try as many things as you can when you're young or younger or have the opportunity to not stuck for financial reasons or other reasons. Try to find the thing you can be great at. And if you can find that thing, be great at it. And if you don't know what that is and you're at a job and you can't leave, then be great where you're at because Nobody quits anything they're great at. People love, you know, love to be around people that are great at things and your joy level just goes up. Mark, I love that. Now, we're going to do something here where the 15,000 people who are watching you right now, I'm going to ask you all to look at the Q&A column on Zoom and to post a question. Now, you can ask a question to Mark or you can vote up someone else's question. And here's the thing. We're going to bring up two to three people live as a panelist for you to interview Mark. And then we're going to give sure. you that video so you can share it on your Instagram. Okay, so as the okay. questions are rolling in, Mark, I want to go with the next follow-up question. You once said that you went seven years working hard without a holiday. I'd love to know where does hard work come in in terms of greatness? And would you still advocate that advice if we think about mental health and well-being? You know, when I was 24, 23 I got fired from my job and decided I'm a, I was a lousy employee and started a company called Micro Solutions. And I didn't know that I liked technology. You know, I talk, just talked about finding something that you can be great at and then, then trying to be great at it. I didn't know that I liked technology until I got a job in it. And then I got fired and I started Micro Solutions. And I was terrified, literally, um, starting this company because I was sleeping on the floor. I had five roommates in a mm -hmm. three-bedroom apartment. I could barely pay my rent. So I had no choice but to make this work. And when you're in that mindset and you have that fear that any minute now it could go away, you worked hard. But the good news is I really liked what I did. And I never felt like, oh, I'm missing out. My, my buddies would go to Cancun. I'm in my 20s, you know. I still had fun, but my buddies would go to Cancun or here or there. And I couldn't go with them. But every step of the way, I felt myself making progress. I felt myself learning more. I felt myself becoming more and more excited about the company. And so I didn't feel like I was missing something. I felt like I was gaining more every day. And that by taking a vacation, it wasn't about, you know, getting mental rest or recalibrating because the way I work is even if I would have gone, all I would have been thinking about work, it was work. You know, I'm the type of entrepreneur that when I'm doing a company, I dream about it. I wake up and take notes. I wake up and, and send emails because it consumes me. And so I don't feel like I missed anything. I felt like my mental health was okay with it, but everybody's got to decide for themselves because a lot of folks need to recharge. Maybe if I had done the same thing in my 40s, it would have been a completely different right. approach because I didn't have a family to worry about. And, you know, I was fortunate. My goal always was to try to be independently wealthy before I had a family so that I could spend time with my family. You know, I gave up some things along the way, but I think it worked out okay. That's beautiful. Because I remember seeing you in an interview and somebody asked you, how do you spend your day? And I loved your answer. You said, 
I'm a billionaire. I spend my day any damn day, any damn way I want. <laughs> Love that. So I want to ask you this question on the theme of mental health, okay? You said this in one of your interviews. In order to stay focused and make the most of his talents, sorry, this wasn't an article about you, he zeroes in on the urgent. Mark said, with my investments, I want the bad news first by email. And if it's bad, I'll jump on that. He says, for the good, well, that's what I expect. That's why I invest in you. I don't spend time on the good news because there's nothing to fix. Okay, so if you are spending time on the bad news, how do you keep your happiness levels, your mental well-being soaring because you have all of this bad news and urgency coming to you? How do you stay balanced? Because when you procrastinate on those things, the stagnating issues don't go away, right? There's two types of stress. The stress of fixing something or the stress of knowing that you have to fix something and it's just looming there and you haven't gotten to it yet. The looming stress is far, far, far worse than the stress of getting through things because that's what I do. I try to be good at business and sometimes I am good at business. And so I feel confident that I can fix the problems. But if I don't get through them and there's just looming and waiting there for me to do and I'm procrastinating, then they build up and that's even worse. And so getting it out of the way, and plus when you get it out of the way and you've done it quickly, it feels good. It feels really good to get it done. And so, you know, that, that's always been my attitude towards it. That's good. It goes back to feeling good, right? So I want to ask you a question. I asked Elon Musk. I want to see how your answers compare. If we were to take you, Mark, and put you in a blender and blend you and create a cologne, uh, the Mark Cuban, right? And this cologne would bless the wearer with whatever is the ultimate quality of Mark Cuban. What would that quality be? Oh, my goodness. What a question. A thirst for knowledge. Just always wanting to learn. I love to learn. I just, when I pick up new tidbits, when I pick up things, it, you know, it's like a ball of yarn. When you start to create a ball of yarn, it's all messy, right? Because you got to wind it first and it's loose. And then as you start to add more and more knowledge to your own personal ball of yarn, it gets bigger and more solid and more powerful. And knowledge is the same way. It's hard at the beginning within a particular industry or topic or um, job to, to start picking up that knowledge. But each and every day that you add something, that knowledge gets stronger and more powerful and you get more capable and you get more confident. And so every day I'm trying to add knowledge. And for me, in all my businesses, I was always the youngest. I'd walk in and people were like, where's your boss? Or, you know, who are you here representing? Or who's going to walk through that door? Now it's the opposite. And there's all these young guns trying to kick my butt. And so if I'm not on top of things, they will kick my butt, but it ain't going to happen and it won't happen because I love to stay ahead and I love to learn. What were some of the key ideas, philosophies, insights you gained growing up that led to who you are today? My parents, my dad did upholstery on cars. My mom did odd jobs. And they always made me aware that I was going to have to figure it out for myself. You know, they didn't go to college. They didn't have any type of business background. They told me I had to figure out myself and they weren't lying. And and so that was the approach that they instilled in me and what I've always, the approach I've always taken. And like I said, about learning, right, that started to come from them when I was a teenager and I started reading books about everything and anything related to business as I could. I dropped out of high school so I could go to college because my high school wouldn't let me take a senior year business class when I was a junior. And then I get to Indiana University and my freshman year, I sneak into MBA classes because I just wanted to challenge myself and really just learn. And that all those things gave me confidence. 
And that's really what my parents instilled in me, that if you're able to learn, you can build your confidence. And when you're knowledgeable and confident and you can sell, anything is possible. Knowledgeable and confident and you can sell, anything is possible. I love that. Was there a business book or a set of books that really inspired you growing up? Yeah. I mean, if you've looked around, there's so many books here. All of them added something. I think when I was young, I liked to read Ayn Rand simply because the characters, not the political philosophy or anything like that, but more the Howard Rourke's, you know, the John Galtz of the world. I kind of saw myself as a Howard Rourke, that I would I would have my own skills and I wouldn't be dependent on anybody else. And if people didn't believe in me, that was okay because I was going to do the work to believe in myself. And then that really motivated me. Then I would read a lot of business biographies. I always looked up to Ted Turner and read every book I could about him. And really to this day, I just, again, just try to read and, and I continue to be inspired. It's not just being a kid. It's always, I'm still a kid. I haven't done my best work yet. And I want to keep on being inspired and I want to keep on having, you know, being excited by new ideas and, and being inspired to go out and do things. And all the time, that's why I like Elon. You know, Elon does things and it makes me think, why didn't I think of that? And get really mad at myself and say, okay, you go out and do something, Mark. And you go out and now in my case more, you go out and help some entrepreneurs. You go do more deals on Shark Tank. And that to me, it's, it's a lifetime thing. I love that. Ted Turner's book was a really great book. I went to school in Michigan, and most of my education came from reading autobiographies. And Ted Turner's book was one of the books I read back in 1998. Amazing book. Interestingly enough, you mentioned Elon. When I asked him that Blender question, his answer was tolerance for pain. I thought your answer, thirst for knowledge, was just a lot nicer. It's more like what we really want to hear. Speaking of knowledge, knowing everything you know right now, if you could help upgrade the education system, especially the college education system, what changes would you make? Oh, my goodness. Well, the first issue was cost. Without cost, you don't have accessibility. And I would put limits on the amount of money that people can borrow to go to college because in doing so, at least with, for, with federal guarantees, how much you can borrow and have that money guaranteed by the government or within their programs. And the reason for that is because of all that easy borrowing, colleges have been able to increase their tuition and room and board and fees costs 10 times the level of inflation. I don't know the exact numbers, but by doing that, it makes the colleges become more efficient in how they run their businesses, because right now there's no reason for them to be efficient. They just know that they can just keep on raising tuition and kids keep on coming. And so, or at least they had up until the last year or so with the pandemic. And so that's number one. I can go down a long list. There's too many administrators. There's too many other things. And then probably number two, if we are going to have free colleges, I do believe in free community colleges. I also think in terms of free four-year public universities, I would approach it differently than just allowing every public university to be free like some people have proposed. I would have in each region, I would have all the public universities bid for a five or 10-year period to be the free university in that region. And what that would do is, one, lower the cost for the government and taxpayers in order to get kids in school. And two, it would make every other college in that region compete with the free college. And that would make everybody more efficient and more effective and less costly, obviously. And so that's kind of the, the top of my head approach that I would take. That's really cool. I love those ideas. So now we come to the time. We have around 17 minutes left. And I'm going to bring up some questions from the audience. So I want us to bring up mm -hmm. our first guest, Nakshatra Sain. 
Nakshatra, I hope you have your webcam ready and your mic ready because you're about to come on live with Mark Cuban to ask your question. Yes, it's ready. Oh, thank you so much, Vishen, for doing this. So my question to Mark, okay, I'm super excited about this. What is it about life that inspires you even today? You have achieved almost everything that a common person dreams of, right? But what is it that thought with you wake up with? And what is it about life that inspires you even today? Yeah, that is my question. Thank you. One word, dad. Hearing the word dad is probably what makes my heart flitter, my body tingle every time one of my kids says it. And they inspire me every day. I hate to compare your children to a business, but that's my biggest entrepreneurial job right now, raising them so that they can enjoy their lives and you know, blaze their own path. Because of all the things that I have or could ever accomplish, they're my greatest accomplishment. And I want them to have everything and more. Thank you. And thank you, Nakshatra, for your question. We're now next going to go to Nicole Royas. Nicole, you can turn on your webcam and join us on screen. See, I'm glad this, does, this happens to other people, not just me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read out Nicole's question. Nicole, if you're still getting set up, we'll bring you up so you can say hi to Mark. But Nicole's question was, Mark, how does an entrepreneur like yourself keep balance in your life? really depends where you are in your life cycle. You know, are you 22 years old just starting up? At, at which point there is no balance. Do you have kids? In which point your family, at which point you have to have balance. And so I'm very blessed. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So I'm able to set my schedule so that, you know, the important things, the bad news first things I can schedule, but everything, every other minute I try to gear towards my family. If I were in a position where I don't have those options, then I would make sure to really get my work done as quickly as possible, but always schedule my family in there as well. Schedule my mental well-being, my calm time, my nap time, whatever you need to do to recharge yourself and refocus yourself, your learning time. Schedule them so they're on your calendar, so you don't procrastinate, so you don't you know, skip them. If you take the approach where a business-like approach, at least that's always worked for me. If you just think you're just going to get it done, that rarely happens because that probably means you're a procrastinator and you're going to skip it. So having it all scheduled makes it a lot better. I love that. I love that. Now, Nicole happens to be on screen with us. Hey, Nicole, nice to see you. Hi, I'm sorry. I'm like shaking. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for thank your you beautiful so question. You. What did you think of Mark's answer? Thank you. I think I really needed to hear that as a college student, as an independent college student supporting myself through college, sometimes I tend to lose myself in the work and lose my entrepreneurship ambitions in it all. So just hearing that is so reassuring. So thank you so much. And Nicole, Nicole where in the world are you? I am in Los I'm Angeles, sorry. California. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet Hi. you, Nicole. Nice to meet you. Thank Thanks, you. Nicole. Mark, I love how passionate you are about fatherhood in addition to, to building a business. I wholeheartedly agree there. Like, I want my kids to see what I do. I want to support them, which is why I brought Hayden on to play the saxophone because that's his thing right now. In your case, what are the biggest values that you instill in your children? What's most important to you? Respecting everybody, being kind to everybody, being self-sufficient, or probably, and loving your family. Those are probably the biggest four things. 
you know, my greatest fear after their health is them being entitled jerks and thinking that they don't have to care for themselves or figure things out for themselves because of, of my financial circumstances. And, and I remind them I'm the one that's rich, not them, and that they're going to have to create their own goals and take their own journey. But if you like to learn, if you are kind, if you are respectful, and hopefully they see that in how I interact with people, then things will work out for them. And so far, so good. You know, my kids are pretty good. I, you know, knock on wood, the 11, 14, and 17, and, and my wife and I have been very fortunate so far. You know, as a billionaire, your kids are obviously growing up with incredible wealth, with incredible, incredible access and privilege. How do you ensure that that doesn't take away anything from them? Because so many great entrepreneurs came because they had to struggle. I mean, you were selling garbage bags as a young man, 12 years old to earn money. How do you ensure that your kids get that same drive, that same ambition? I make them work. (laughs) You know, my dad told me, I'm not going to just give you the money. You got to get a job and earn it. And I tell them the same thing. My son now used as, um, we got him a gaming um, PC for school. And so he could play games on it. And he figured out that since he wasn't, he was 10 at the time, he wasn't old enough to get an allowance yet. He was going to use it to be an Ethereum miner. And now he makes $100 a month when he's not using his PC for school or gaming to mine. You know, my oldest daughter now has a summer job. My middle daughter, we haven't gotten her that job yet, but she'll get there soon. And so, you know, having them work, having them take responsibility for themselves, not just giving them things. I'm not a parent. My wife's the same way that we just bring home gifts for them all the time or they're upset about something. So let's buy them something to make them feel better. Not at all. Not at all. You know, it's the exact opposite. It's like, okay, you want those shoes, those $200 shoes, spend crazy money. All right, what are you going to do for me? Now, sometimes, you know, where the benefit of wealth comes in is like with my middle daughter wanting a pair of Jordans. It's like, okay, you're going to have to read four books in order to get those. And they got to be 300 pages each. And you're going to have to tell me about them. And she did it. So trying to get them to realize that in order to gain something, you have to earn it. I love that. I love that. So it doesn't have to necessarily be work. It could be motivation, such as getting them to read books rather than get hooked on computer games or iPad or whatever. Yeah, it's not that they're not hooked. They are. <laughs> and it's not that they I don't know, use the device me, yeah. a lot. I have a 13-year-old yeah, and a 7-year-old. Right? It happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens. And you're not going to stop that. But you know, the other thing that I've learned, you and I grew up reading, and we get got inspired by books. And I learned that my kids really, particularly my two youngest, they learn and get inspired by videos, online videos in the same way we use books. I, and I'll tell you a quick story. One day, my, my son asked me why I don't do royalty deals on Shark Tank. And he was 10 at the time. I'm like, royalty deals? Do you even know what a royalty is? He goes, yeah, that's when you know there's a sale and you pay a, a percentage of the sale to, to somebody. I'm like, that's cool. And I'm like, I don't like to do them because it takes away gross margin dollars from the business. And I'm like, do you know what gross margin dollars are? And he's like, yeah, I do. It's the difference between the sales price and the cost. I'm like, how did you learn this stuff? He goes, I watch videos on YouTube. You know, I'll watch some Shark Tank highlights. And if there's something I don't understand, I'll just look it up and watch another video. And it takes me just a few minutes. And I'm like, wow, maybe the problem wasn't him watching videos. Maybe the problem was me not realizing how much he can learn watching videos a lot faster than than some of the ways I took. And so, yeah, we have to watch what he, you know, how much he uses screen time and what he's using it for. But at the same time, 
parents have to be adaptive as well. Just because something worked for us in this new environment, we can't just immediately turn our backs to it. We have to be open-minded that things change and they're always going to continue to change. And we have to adapt as much as we try to get our kids to do things the same way we used to do them. Oh, I love it. I love that answer. That's really cool. My kids learn so much from YouTube that they are smarter than the average adult. Like you can talk about anything, science, astronomy, and they just know and they say it in a snotty little way. Like, uh, that's not true, Dad. (laughs) Technically, that is not the carbohydrate content of cereal. It's crazy what kids learn from YouTube. So I wonder, like, we are parenting children who are the first generation to grow up with iPads and YouTube. It's going to be a very interesting future. Speaking of the future, what excites you about the future of humanity? And what scares you about where we are going as a species? What scares me are my, what scares me is my generation and the generation just younger than me, the Gen Xers and the baby boomers, because they're still trying to hold on like it's the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and it's not. What excites me is Gen Z. I mean, you know, my kids, your kids, they just have a completely different viewpoint. I see it in hiring. I see it with players on the Dallas Mavericks. You know, they're much more entrepreneurial. They're much more connected. They're much kinder. They're much savvier. It's crazy. Just millennials versus younger millennials and Gen Z versus older millennials, night and day. But the younger ones, just so different and so open-minded and so driven. That, to me, is exciting. It's eye-opening. They recognize the threat to our environment. They recognize, they look at things far more objectively and, you know, they'll say, no, just because it's been done that way doesn't make it the right way to do things. It's just so much savvier than older generations. And so I really, truly believe that we're in really good hands going forward with your kids and my kids and and their peers. And, you know, hopefully as they age, they'll, they'll knock some sense into their parents and grandparents. Absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful how, as a species, we're getting wiser, we're getting more whole, we're getting more unified. Now, you see so many brilliant kids, entrepreneurs come and pitch to you at Shark Tank. You've heard so many ideas. You've invested in around 80 or so, rumor has it. But what are the qualities that you look for when an entrepreneur, I'm not talking about the idea, I'm talking about the entrepreneur. What are the qualities you look for in entrepreneurs you invest in? Great question. And really, it reflects all the things we've just talked about. Are you a learner? Are you agile? Can you sell? Are you kind? Do you care about people? Are you willing to enable your employees? Do you want your employees to succeed as badly as you want to succeed? Those are the skill sets that an entrepreneur needs. The old baby boomer you know, mindset of squeeze every nickel, take advantage of people, convert people, you know, convince people, selling is convincing as opposed to helping. Those days are gone, long gone. Now entrepreneurs come on and not only do I look for these qualities, but I also look for a social concept. Who are you helping with your business? What are you making better? Because consumers today, particularly the younger consumers we've been talking about, it's not just brand, but it's what does that brand represent? Do they care about the environment? Do they care about their fellow man? Do they care about the world? Because Nobody wants to be associated, particularly young people, want to be associated with a brand that doesn't represent their values. And so to be successful in a business today, you have to reflect the values of your customers. And, you know, for better or worse, 
companies want to sell to younger consumers because they're still in the process of developing their buying habits and their brand allegiances. And so companies tend to gear towards younger consumers. And I think that's the right thing to do. And that's what I look for in Shark Tank. I love that, Mark. In our final minute together, and firstly, thank you. This has been such an enlightening interview. I love your radiant smile. I love the energy that you put forth. Final advice before we say goodbye to you for all 15,000 of us watching. Oh, my goodness. Love your life. There's always something you can find. Always. You know, one of the things that I try to do and do with my kids, if there's a blue sky and I'm outside, I just, you know, you got to take a moment to look and appreciate just the beauty of our life around us. If you're trying to find motivation, what I, what I tell my kids and, and entrepreneurs is if you look at everything around you that's not organic, not trees, not bushes, but everything else, look at your table, your chair, your couch, everything. That was somebody's idea. One day it didn't exist. The next day someone had an idea and then they turned it into a business. And now you're sitting on their couch. You're looking at their table. You're looking at their picture. Ask yourself, all these amazing adventures came from somewhere. Why not you? Why can't you be the one that comes up with that next great idea? It doesn't have to be earth shattering. It just has to be something that you love, you're proud of, and you can show to the world. Why not you? And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.